All right, Darren Smith, here it is, episode 18 of the Always Loyal Podcast. What's coming up? Well, it was a frustrating week for San Diego Loyal. We're going to attempt to do a little bit of math, provide a little bit of context to what it was that happened, a frustrating evening and environment in Carson, California, plus one of the more prominent members of San Diego Loyal supporter culture joins us on this week's podcast. San Diego Community Power is a not-for-profit public agency committed to providing clean, renewable energy at competitive rates and investing in innovative programs that benefit our communities. Visit sdcommunitypower.org to learn more about cleaner energy choices. All right, Darren, I want to say that I'm excited for the podcast. I also need to admit one thing. Right before starting the recording of this episode, I went back and watched the final six minutes of the match in Los Angeles. So like all that is very fresh on my mind. So if I'm a little, I don't know, let's say agitated, that that's your explanation. I just finished watching that. Uh, understandable. I think everybody can relate to that. If you're listening to the always loyal podcast, chances are even whenever you're listening to this, you are agitated, irritated, frustrated, so freaking annoying to watch what it was that happened up there in Carson. And I can go on here for the entirety of this podcast, Jordan, watching Loyal drop two points away in an empty Dignity Health sports park. You said six minutes. How about like eight minutes? I, why don't I give him an extra I'm telling you what I could stomach. Hey, why was it? And maybe it was explained on the broadcast and I missed it. Why did they play in the big boy stadium? I don't know the answer to that, but you know, if that's the environment that, that uh, LA galaxy is capable of producing, then I think it is something I get it. They're, they're leaving and next year, this is it. So, you know, barring a postseason encounter loyal, will never have to play against LA galaxy two again. That's, that's the way it is. It is, it is that's scheduled. It? That's our go. goodbye. I think that was it. Yeah. That's how so, we say goodbye to Los Dos. That's probably why they gave him nine extra minutes of injury time at the end of the match. But that's just, you know, if I'm the president of this league and we've had the president of this league on, mm. I, I can't, I can't feel comfortable having that type of match day environment for, for any of my clubs. I know you, you can't wave a magic wand and create Torero stadium wherever, but it was played. I'm pretty sure. I thought I saw this on social media from Chavos or from locals that it was played behind closed doors in Carson, California. So for me, what's the freaking point? Like, you know, like you're trying to grow this league. What is the point? You know, we're, we're, unless I'm missing something. And if I am, I apologize if there was some sort of situation where they couldn't find staffing. I don't know, but it just, it, it sort of added to the dreariness of the entire experience. Of course, watching, you know, loyal build up a two, nothing lead only to squander it in stoppage time. At the end of that match, goals in the 93rd and the 98th, frustrating, but it was just a, a frustrating viewing experience, even though I yeah. felt pretty good about the situation there at full time. Not that anyone really cares about the broadcaster's perspective, but I will tell you that is a broadcaster's nightmare because I, you can't even move around in your chair without the noises from your chair coming straight through the broadcast. Like I felt for Joe Titino and crew because, whew, it was quiet. It was very, very quiet. And it was quiet for San Diego at the very, very end. Um, I was just jotting down notes at the end of that match. Uh, Joe Tatino, who is the voice of LA Galaxy and Los Dos, right at the 90-minute mark, threw out like a great broadcaster would, the idea of potentially Los Angeles coming back in that match. And he said, if if this is really going to be a scenario where LA could score two goals in the next handful of minutes, like everything about the previous 90 minutes has to completely change. And it did. 
couple minutes later, it was two, two, you had a, uh, you had a moment that I thought was very notable in stoppage time where loyal force a turnover, convert it into a three on one break. Um, Vassell takes a quick shot. It's blocked and nothing comes from it. That was an opportunity for San Diego to make it three, nothing and just finish that one off. Instead, a couple moments later, Judd scores a goal as he does for Los Dos. He makes it two one. And then the broadcasters start thinking like, here comes the whistle, right? Well, nope, they didn't come here. Oh, well, here comes the whistle here, right? Nope. And that whistle never came until the second goal went in. Um, and you even got an, oh my gosh, on the broadcast when that mm. second goal went in for, for Los Angeles. It was an interesting watch. That's for sure. Yeah, maybe it reminded me a little bit, you and I at uh, Shakespeare's Pub last season, different opponent, obviously, but loyal traveling at Phoenix Rising in Chandler. And I remember that match where they were given all sorts of extra injury time. I want to say that the fourth official held up four minutes. Does that sound right? Since you watched it more recently than I, I watched it real time Saturday with some wine in my system. I'm pretty That's exactly sure it was, what it was. It was four. And then you see a goal scored in the 93rd. You're like, eh, okay, probably something to, to think about, but not be too concerned with, because there can only be so much time. There was analysis that perhaps, and Elijah Martin throw in lasted a little bit longer. Maybe that added on a minute. But how did we go from fourth official four minutes to then scoring a penalty kick in the 98th? Like it just, I get it. There were some shenanigans. It took a little bit of time from, from when the penalty kick was whistled to when the penalty kick was taken. But all in all, it just it, it just, you know, it felt like planets were were aligning. Now that's one way of looking at it, right? You can talk about officiating, you can talk about timekeeping. The other way I think to look at it, if we're being objective on the always loyal podcast, Jordan, is this is now six points from a winning position in stoppage time that loyal has given up this season, New Mexico, Oakland, not in this order. It would be Oakland, New Mexico, both in the 94th minute that Oakland one was ridiculous. And then this one somehow perhaps even the most ridiculous at Los Dos in Carson, California. So that's, that's six points from a winning position and we'll get to the standings coming up here in a little bit. Hopefully that's not something we're talking about at the end of the season. Yeah. If we're just looking at this match in a vacuum, I don't think I would really start sounding alarms and start the conversation of like, well, those could be some pretty missed points towards the end of the season, because that's just an easy thing to say, but as everything you kind of just laid out, this isn't the first time that we've seen drop points um, come from stoppage time. So in addition to that, the fact that loyal, drop points late down the stretch last season. And it cost them a home playoff game and a home playoff game potentially could have changed the story for SD loyal in 2021. Who knows? Um, it, it's easy for you to start wondering like, ah, oh, these, these are definitely points that might come in handy towards the end of the season. I don't know what the table will look like and we'll get to it. We'll tell you about the impact and what it means for the table coming up in segment three. That's, it's just a tough one to stomach. And it's one of those where you watch, at least for me, once the final whistle eventually did come, I just watched what players and coaches um, were from San Diego, where they were headed. And um, there was a decent amount headed right towards the officials to have a conversation about what just happened. Yeah, and, and I don't know that it's as much about the call. You know, we never got a, a great look at the penalty. Per, uh, you know, certainly I, I didn't object to that as much as I objected to when the whistle went for the penalty because it, it seemed like it was just, it was late. So now again, you know, this is, these are points dropped. This happens over the span of a season. No doubt. 
I don't know that I'm declaring it a trend. If you want to throw in three more points for what happened at RGV, I suppose you can. That would make it nine. But but just talk that away. You know, that's not necessarily just past Memorial Day, something to, to harp on. You want to say, hey, we sort of remember a little bit about this from 2021. I suppose that's fair as well. But a little bit to your point, early, premature, to start thinking that this totally. is somehow going to, to sink loyal season because there's just so much to the season left. Yeah, clearly that that's not the conversation. And you play 30 plus matches in a season now, unlike what we did in 2020 when you only played 16, like these scenarios will play themselves out over the course of 30 plus games. But you can't get the points back. That much we can say here today. What the impact of those lost points is, nobody knows. But you can't get those points back. Darren, if you're driving to Mexico, you can visit BajaBound.com for the easiest way to get Mexican auto insurance for your trip. Their easy-to-use website allows you to buy your Mexico insurance in minutes from your computer or any mobile device. BajaBound.com, serving Mexico travelers since 1994. Uh, Darren, we have a pretty special guest coming up. Yes, I've uh, been fortunate to have a couple of conversations with our guest here tonight. He's a member of the locals. He's a member of Chavos de Loyal, I can tell you from a, a watch party a couple of Saturdays ago, we were talking with the CMO of San Diego Loyal, Travis, and we were talking about you know Memorial Day upcoming, military town, um, ideas for this podcast. And I said, well, you guys know who Andrew Dyer is, don't you? He's sitting right there. He's one of the more prominent figures that you see in Section 109. He is a reporter with the Union Tribune. I don't know that people do or don't know this about Andrew. Uh, I've spoken to him professionally in a totally different capacity about things like UFOs and, and all sorts of, of other stuff. He covers uh, military affairs for the Union Tribune, and he's a supporter of San Diego Loyal, and we're going to talk to him next. This is Ricardo Campos, president for San Diego Loyal. You're listening to the Always Loyal Podcast. I've had several conversations with Andrew Dyer. He's a reporter with the Union Tribune. And most of them are about serious stuff like alleged arson and UFOs and things along those lines. He is retired Navy, a veteran. He's a member of the locals, Chavos de Loyal. You see him all the time in Section 109 at the different watch parties. Him, it's very uh, family-oriented. Him, family guy, son who's playing soccer. We've met a time as well. Andrew, welcome to the Always Loyal podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Do you prefer this? Is this fun to, to have this kind of conversation instead of the serious stuff that we normally do on radio? You know, I think everything has a, has its place and, and its time, but uh, you know, I definitely have more fun talking about soccer than I do work. Good. I like that answer. That's, that's what we like about doing this. This doesn't feel like work. I do wonder though, because like we've talked to you a handful of times and interacted at different events whether it's at Torero Stadium or watch parties for San Diego Loyal and I don't know this you know you're retired Navy from Texas here in San Diego served on the Kitty Hawk served on the Ronald Reagan did did your time in the Navy at all what role did that play for you and your love for the sport well um not not a lot I used to be you know I used to be not a very fun person I think um I kind of came up in the time of like listening to like Jim Rome in the nineties, who was at that time a big soccer hater. So I just thought it was really cool and funny to, to bash soccer. And I didn't follow the sport. I wasn't interested in the sport. Um, 
you know, when I was on the Kitty Hawk, though, in 2006, uh, you know, we were just all, we were forward deployed to Japan. So based out of Yokosuka and we're just always out to sea. So, uh, you know, and summertime was like, we did a summer patrol in, in the Western Pacific. So uh, there was a World Cup that year. And um, man, my whole shop, you know, we had a TV in the shop, like we watched like all the games uh you know you'd be working but like the games were on uh in in their little lounge area so um really entertaining world cup uh really enjoyed the i think the italian team that ended up winning it it was uh i was like you know kind of a convert to 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 global soccer right so i was like okay in four years i'm gonna watch soccer again that was cool um I didn't really get into, you know, the, the club, the pro side until, um, you know, after my, my son started playing soccer, I started, you know, paying a lot more attention to the sport. And how has it been now on a local level? You know, as somebody who's, you know, who's from a different part of the country here and then stayed here after your service was up a family here. How, how has this been? Like, I always wonder that too, because I, I view there's so many different ways of viewing soccer sport you know, hey, you and your buddies are going to go out and have some beers. You and your son are heavily involved. Um, wh- what has this club, how has it How has it been for you on a local level, not just for, for Andrew with the locals and Chavos, but also for you and your son? Well, it's been, you know, w- whenever they announced the club, um, I-, I thought it was just really cool. I, I was familiar with USL because, um, you know, Coming from San Antonio, uh, we had the uh, the Scorpions in uh, a different league, and then the Spurs bought them, and now it's San Antonio FC. And my brother, who who lived in San Antonio, was involved in their supporter group. So I'd been exposed to USL, and I'd been exposed to supporter culture. So I already knew that this was a league that was a lot of fun and that had a, a lot of passionate fans. Like, um, I think, you know, sometimes one thing that, uh maybe uh, a person not familiar with american pro soccer think of it as like minor league like you know the nba has the the g league and you've got obviously a whole network of minor league baseball teams um but you know it, it it's not a, a minor league a, at all it is a it is a uh a professional soccer league and um it's not the same and it it's fun in its own way. And um, so I was, you know, very excited uh, whenever they, I remember the, uh, the unnamed kind of San Diego USL team. Um, It was, it was exciting. And uh, I think that watching uh, how things have progressed in a short amount of time and, uh, you know, from the fan side, a lot of that I think has to do with the the fans and, and the supporter culture around the club, but um it's been uh, i think as as it's gone as good as one could have expected for something in san diego i think we have a very pessimistic negative uh we've all been burned right so um the fact that there hasn't been uh nothing like overtly terrible has happened so it's it's good so i think that things have, have been, gone really well and and much better than uh you know, a negative person like me might have expected. Hmm. Andrew, you're the uh, military reporter at the Union Tribune. How often are you asked to cover the team, cover San Diego Loyal? Oh, I don't, I, I don't, 
uh, I don't cover the team. I don't. I know you uh, don't. But how often yeah. are people asking you to do so? Um, you know, it's been n- not not really. Um, nobody's ever asked me. Nobody, other fans haven't asked me. I think uh, part of that is is you know uh, getting involved with with the supporter group, and um, you know, I, I play drums uh, in in one hundred and nine. Um, and people don't relate to me as like a person in media. People just relate to me as another supporter. Um, I, I think most people probably don't know what I do, um, for a job. Like, I don't know what, I mean, I know like what, like two or three people, uh, do for work, um, in the supporters group, but, um, I, I can only speak for myself, but for me, uh, getting involved with, with the SG has been just, uh, a real kind of escape uh, from, you know, the grind of, of, of work, uh, you know, in 2020 and 2021, you know, during the pandemic, when um, a lot of us were kind of stuck inside or limited on our social interactions and what we could do. Um, m- you know, me, like, I think a lot of people found some community in the, the supporter group. And so, um, it's been a real kind of uh, a, a reprieve, uh, you know, from the crushing kind of, uh, you know, if I'm sure you recall 2020 was a pretty uh, news heavy year. Um, we did have the, the bottom of shark fire. We had um, a lot of uh, social unrest in, in the County in the wake of the George Floyd shooting. And I think that uh it, getting involved and in, and in, and you know supporting the club was a, a way to separate from that and just enjoy something on its own terms. You referenced that you uh, can be found drumming in section 109. How did you find yourself as a drummer in that section? Well, so this kind of goes back to the old San Antonio Scorpions. Um, I was on leave. Uh, I, I think I was already out of the Navy, but. Uh, 2014, I think the year after they had won the championship, maybe 2015, uh, I, I went to my first game at, at Toyota Field, um, and um, the supporter group did their march to their seats, and there were like grown men with drums. And so I, you know, I played drums in, in like high school and in, in band, um, among you know other instruments, and I was like, oh you can you can still play drums when you're an adult uh that would be super cool i'd like to you know do that again and so uh you know once we got back into torero in uh i guess it was 2021 that we went back uh i was like you know i talk a lot with jerry and um and and some of the guys from chavos and i'm like you know, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go on eBay and buy a drum. I'm just going to do it. And so I think I had my drum by 619 day last year. And yeah, that was a, a no brainer to, to join them. You guys bring it for 90 minutes. What do you feel like physically at the end of a match at Terrar stadium? Well, uh, ever since I got a, a, an actual stand for my drum, I feel a lot better last season. I just had a, like a marching harness that I would literally just wear for the entire match. And that was, uh, not, <laughs> that was tiring. Um, 
it's you know it's it's just fun uh you know you might get some blisters on your on your hands um you know that's all technique you can get that you know it's a, a lot of the folks you see drumming or you know experienced drummers it's 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 not uh it's not just uh, you know banging on <laughs> banging on the drum like it, it might look like but you know we do practice and um you know some of these folks are experienced percussionists and it's 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 a lot of fun, but, um, it, you know, it's just the energy, like you, you, you push through, um, and depending on what's happening on the field, like the game's over and then you're like, Oh, wow, I need to go home and watch the replay. Cause I missed most or if not the entire thing. Yeah. Uh, but then there is that moment at the end of the match though, isn't there where you at least know who the man of the match is because that person usually comes up to your section I've never been in that section when that happened. Usually Jordan and I have been completely clear across the pitch. That tradition, I don't know exactly how it started, but what is that moment like when a player, hopefully in victory, comes walking up those steps to receive the magic growler? It's it's really fun, and it was a really great tradition. Uh, they took the stairs out for this season, which, uh, you know, I don't know about, the university and, and how their deal with the stadium works. But for whatever reason, the stairs are gone for the 2022 home campaign. Um, but while they were there last season, you know, it was really cool. I mean, I think we, I think the club and, 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 and definitely the supporters groups, you know, that was like the photo op was the, the player coming up and celebrating with the fans and, you know, um, one thing about USL when we talk about professional sports is just how approachable and, and relatable the players are. Um, so, you know, certainly coming up in the stands and celebrating, I think this year, you know, we've seen Calvacel don the, the mask, the, and um, there's been some great fan art made of, of that moment uh, winning his, his growler for man of the match. Um, but, you know, these are also guys that if, you know, we're, we were doing a, a tailgate at the uh, U.S. Open Cup match um, against Albion, and you know here they come, strolled up to the to the tailgate. They weren't playing in the game, and so you know had some tacos, and I didn't see anybody having beers, but certainly other people were having beers. But it was uh, you know I didn't see anyone having beers. Well, I saw the three of us having beers. <laughs> Not the players. They definitely no. had a, had Dang. a couple tacos, but um you know it, it's very uh you know these are not you know you know athletes who have their their head in the clouds you know they're they're people that that relate to the fans and then i think they appreciate the fans they they certainly show it you reference that oftentimes after a match you have to go home and re-watch it because it's tough to actually take it in at times because 109 is it's a it's a whole different animal. It's a complete, it's an atmosphere in itself. You have the game going on, but you also have what's going on in 109. Tell us for those who have never been inside 109, for those who are listening to the podcast who may not live in San Diego, may have never been to Torero Stadium. Um, tell us what it's like inside those 90 minutes. And maybe uh, if you can, a few of the characters that you'll always find every single week in, in 109. So I think this is what it really uh, excites me uh, um, 
becoming a, a soccer fan and kind of becoming a bigger soccer fan as, as, as we go along, because you kind of start to realize that there are different ways to exercise your soccer fandom. Like you can certainly sit down in some of the premium seats at, at Torero and enjoy a, a great match. Um, but you know, there's another way to enjoy a soccer match that is much more participatory and um, you might not see all the action, but you certainly feel it because um, we go 90 minutes. Uh, I don't know how unique that is or isn't in, in USL. I don't think um, we're alone in that, but certainly we don't stop. And, you know, we have a rotation of chants and songs that um, are, are capos who are like kind of the, the directors of the, of the, the singing. Um, we rotate through them and uh there's uh, large flags that people will take turns holding because you can't really wave a flag for, for 90 minutes. Um, but it's very loud. Um, I have, I wear hearing protection. Uh, I, a lot of other people also wear hearing protection. You cannot stand in the vicinity of a drum line for 90 minutes uh, every other weekend and expect not to come away with, you know, maybe some hearing loss. I, I would recommend people definitely wear hearing protection if they come in 109. Um, and it's just a different way to to experience the sport. Um, it's certainly not for everybody because we do kind of ask slash demand that if you're in 109 that you stand the entire time that you're there. And whether that's for 90 minutes or 20 minutes um, or even just five minutes to get a, a taste of it. You know, it, it's, it's a different way to, to watch sports and it's unique in, in soccer compared to every other sport you're going to see in the U S and, and, and you're describing an experience, which most of us have seen and maybe not all of us have experienced. And I wonder, you know, having spent so much time now with this club on the, on the, you know, away outside of tourist stadium, like, like physically, <laughs> like how much you, you miss, the interaction watch parties are great, right? Like I recently saw Andrew at a watch party, but like missing that interaction in the middle of the season, this is like an, a, just like a painful amount of time away from Torero stadium for San Diego loyal. It really is. And, you know, I, I, especially from the supporter perspective and, and as some, you know, being part of the drum line, like, you know, this is like what we do for fun on the weekends. Like this is a significant chunk of your, your day on Saturday. Cause usually we'll meet before the game, um, have lunch and whatever. And then the, there's a game and sometimes, you know, there's after the game as well. So um, it's, it's a big chunk of, of what, you know, you kind of schedule your weekend around your, your vacations and stuff like that. You know, you try to make sure you're going to make as many home games as possible, um, and when you don't have that, and that's part of your hobby or your recreational, uh, what you plan on doing, it's it's tough. You know, we knew there was a gap in the schedule. Um, I think losing the Colorado match to uh, their their terrible COVID outbreak, which was 100% um, debilitating for them, they certainly couldn't be asked to to play the only uh, home match we would have had in like two months. So. It's 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 too bad, and it is tough. And I think uh, from the club's perspective, you know, that's kind of what you're. That's when that's what you offer, right? You're you're telling San Diego we offer this experience, and to not be able to showcase that experience for an entire two months in the middle of the season when you are 
at the top of the table, near the top of the table. Uh, it's I, I don't know how I'm not in the front office. I haven't spoke to anybody in the front office, but I can't imagine that uh, they're enjoying this any more than we are this this long break we've had from home. Well, I have one final one, if if we might, just to circle back around a little bit, Andrew, with with you know you and your backstory and uh, your time as a, as a Navy veteran, as a petty officer. Uh, having served on the Kitty Hawk and, and the Ronald Reagan, just because this is the week of Memorial Day and understanding, you know, it's Memorial Day and, and you know, the differences of that and Veterans Day, if, if that holiday, how it lands with a, uh, a Navy veteran like yourself. So for me personally, um, so, you know, I was in the Navy for, for 10 years. Um, you know, I did, you know, we did deploy to uh, Iraq on, on the Kitty Hawk um, in 2003 um, I think we we lost a, a pilot on that cruise, um, but every time you go out to sea to deploy, there's this kind of I don't know if it's an expectation or a resignation, but you know you kind of expect, at least on an aircraft carrier, um, there's somewhat of an expectation you're going to lose one person, whether that's from an accident or from um, somebody, uh, you know, taking their own life you know there's a lot of people there's a lot of challenges uh, being out to sea it's very stressful on folks but um you know i'm that, that being said i'm not not a combat veteran and i certainly have uh, friends who are who uh to them memorial day is is something that you know i don't have the same experience and i don't have the same uh feelings about it because i i was not you know in combat where people very close to me were, you know, you know kind of paying the ultimate price for, for their service. So um, for me, I kind of, uh, to me, it's a time to kind of stand back and, and, and let others, you know, have the spotlight It's a time to recognize those people. Um, but, you know, in, in San Diego and the, the community here, you know, there are a lot of, you know, with, with Camp Pendleton and, and one map up there, uh, this is a, a unit in the 1st Marine Division who, you know, during the last 20 years of, of conflict, um, we have, you know, a lot of not just people who were stationed here who, who paid that price, but also, you know, local San Diegans who, who did as well. So, um, it's really a, a time, a time for them. Andrew, uh, part of the, the goal of the always loyal podcast is to tell the story of San Diego loyal. That includes the supporters as a collective and the supporters as individuals, which is why we were so interested in, in having you join us. You have a, a certainly a, a unique story to tell, and we appreciate you telling it with us here today. Hey, thank you so much for having me anytime. Conference standings presented by the Bright app, the world's leading platform for personal training available on the App Store and Google Play. 
All right, Jordan, are you excited for a 2 p.m. kickoff coming up on Thursday? That's what's I up next. I love watching SD Loyal during my workday. San Diego Loyal Soccer Club at Red Bulls 2 Thursday, 2 p.m. Note kickoff time, but the Western Conference standings. San Antonio Football Club, top of the table in the West with 27 points. Colorado Springs switchbacks, 24 points. San Diego Loyal and Phoenix Rising. Somehow Phoenix is still in this. Every time I watch, they're getting totally torn apart level on points at 21 per that's three and four El Paso at 20 New Mexico 19 Sacramento 16 that's one through seven in the Western Conference next opponent for loyal New York Red Bulls two. Jordan they're 14th out of 14 teams in the Eastern Conference mm. just one win 10 losses and a draw they've lost five straight in recent form so even though it's 3,000 miles and not a further destination for Loyal all season, you'd have to just at least look at the end of the road trip, which was supposed to not be exclusively away games, but we know what happened with Colorado Springs as Andrew Dyer brought it up. But this will be the, the final before we see San Diego Loyal back at home on June 11th against Hartford. Mm. Yes, excited to have him back at Torero Stadium. Darren, you referenced San Antonio, the heavy favorites, according to 538. Heavy favorites to win the final, according to that website. Like 23% and runner-up to them is 13%. So they are creating a gap. San Antonio, not just the best team in the West, according to 538, but the best team in the league. You want to know the team that's at the very bottom of this table? I would say New York Red Bulls too. That would be New York Red Bulls too. Yeah, that's things aren't aren't looking great for them. Less than a one percent chance to make the playoffs, and every single round beyond that. So things not looking pretty um, for San Diego to drop the points the way they did in Los Angeles on the road. It would be nice for them to follow up um, another road match, which no matter what isn't easy, especially when you're going from San Diego to New York. But if you're going to collect points on the road, this is the place to do it. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, going from from RGV to Los Angeles and then off to New Jersey, which is where Red Bulls 2 plays, it's been at least five straight. Might be even be more than that. I'm not going to bother looking it up. Red Bulls, pretty terrible. I'll say two, and I don't know that this is the the proper extrapolation for just standing and, and looking at standings, but you look at the West, you look at the, the points for teams in the West compared to the points for teams in the East. You got five clubs in single digits still. The club that's in 13th place, Monterey Bay Football Club, is sitting on 12. So it looks like it's a little bit lopsided, at least in terms of overall depth of strength between the Eastern and Western Conference. I, yeah, who knows? Who knows what that means? Probably not a whole heck of a lot. Just Looking at the standings, Jordan, since that's what we do this segment. That is what we do. Uh, one final question as we say goodbye, Darren. It's a question that I was not able to ask Andrew. Um, I just couldn't find the right time to slip in such a serious question. I'll ask you what I wanted to ask him. What do we know about UFOs? Well, um, I, I think Andrew would probably want me to represent him uh, seriously in that he thinks that extraterrestrial UFOs, we don't know all that much. But off the coast of California, where some things have been flying around and the subject of, of congressional hearings, maybe there's some things happening internationally here with spy technology and drone technology that governments don't exactly feel comfortable sharing. 
So perhaps what we're doing is we're shining a bright light on things that our own government would probably not want us to do. And with that, we thank you for listening to the Always Loyal Podcast.